When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I am very much looking forward to my conversation with our guest tonight. Her name is Dana Middleton, and Dana is an author of two books. She is a global marketing expert, and she's the CEO of Ansira, uh, a marketing company, and she'll be with me in just a moment. As we go into the breaks, I want to be sure you stay with us uh, for our watch team of on-air contributors where you will receive some really uh, important and up-to-date information on your health, leadership, finance, technology, diversity, and education. So be sure to stay tuned in as we go into our breaks. And uh, yesterday I was at Nutrisystem with CEO Dawn Zier, and Dawn is going to be bringing us a brand new watch segment in 2019, a wellness watch. So stay tuned for that. We're also hearing from more and more uh, members of our listening audience who are sharing their own inspirational stories after listening to the show, and I'm so grateful for that. So please always feel free to reach out to me at susan at womentowatch.net, or you can go to our website and reach any of our contributors or myself as well, and that is womentowatch.net, women the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I am thrilled to welcome to the show Dana Middleton, uh, author, global marketing expert, and CEO of Ansaria. Dana, welcome thank to the show. Uh, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. Well, I appreciate your taking the time. I understand you're calling from Idaho, um, which is very cool. You have a, uh, a couple of homes, and that's where you happen to be right now. What's the weather like there? It's wonderful. It's, uh, I don't know, we have about 18 inches of snow on the ground, I guess, wow. and blue sky. And wow. It's very Christmassy. Good. Good, good time of year for that. So I'd love for you to start uh, telling us a little bit about your background. I think that, you know, it's, it's well known publicly that your upbringing um, consisted of uh, growing up on uh, ranches in the West. And um, one of your books, Grit Meets Grace, is uh, probably a little bit about how you grew up, and I'd love for you to talk about that for our audience so they can um, understand where that came from in you. 
Sure, I'm happy to talk about it. And it's Grace Meets Grit. Or Grace Meets Grit. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, you know, I did grow up in the American West. It's probably why I still have a strong attachment to places like Idaho. Um, But my dad worked on big ranches, and so we moved from location to location as he moved um, to work on different ranches. So I grew up riding my horse every day, uh, spending a lot of time alone, which is kind of interesting. And um, yeah, probably the most meaningful experience that I talk about in Grace Meets Grit that I look back upon that has implicated, um, you know, the way I work and my perspective probably on gender in the workplace was my first summer job. And that was fighting fire for the Bureau of Land Management in the during summers while I was going to college. And uh, this was in the early 80s. And certainly, um, I guess, in retrospect, the BLM office in Oregon, where I worked was had a very diverse um, approach to hiring teams. Um, I say teams, we were called crews, I guess. We were assigned to specific pumper trucks based on the amount of water that each truck carried. So the smaller pumper trucks, which had about 200 gallons, were assigned crews of two. And larger trucks um, that could carry 800 gallons had crews of three. And, um, you know, we had all women crews, we had all men crews, and we had mixed gender crews. And so during that experience, I got to really see how men and women show up in really, truly pressure cooking situations. And that actually, I think, influenced a lot of what I write about in in Grace Meets Grit. So that is not typical uh, for a young woman (laughs) to have her first job be a firefighter. Um, I I have to ask about, you know, um, perhaps a moment one of your scariest moments doing that job? Was there um, an event that took place where, you know, it stays with you? There was, actually. Uh, we, I, we were had been for days actually working on a quote-unquote controlled burn where you would go in and they would stake out a, an area that needed to be burned. Burning is uh, part of the natural process of nature. We forget that sometimes especially in light of all the different uh, fire scenarios that we're having today. Yes. But the wind changed and this fire really turned on us. And I can actually remember I was on the ground manning the hose, but the truck had to speed up because the flames were coming toward us. And I remember throwing myself on the back of a truck thinking, uh, you know, I don't have time to unwrap the little fire shelter that you wear a fire shelter around your back that basically is something you unzip and unfold and kind of throw yourself in and the fire theoretically goes over the top of you. And I thought, there's no way I have time to actually get into that shelter. I'm just going to have to throw myself onto this truck. Wow. And so, yes, that, that actually stays with me still today. Wow. Wow. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the grit that you discuss. And I what I, I'm curious about is whether that was something innate in you or did it develop because of your upbringing. Uh, And we'll talk about your mom as well. You're listening to Women to Watch. Stay with us for our Health Watch and Leadership Watch. We'll be right back. Women to Watch. Leadership Watch. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch. And so passionate about what you're about to hear because this goes right to my heart. So are you ready? As we 
end this year and get ready to go into the next year. We're all obsessing and thinking about the infamous New Year's resolutions. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am passionate about this. Throw out New Year's resolutions. Get rid of them. Throw them out. You know what I'm a complete believer in? And I would beg you, beg you to think about this. New Year's resolutions, 99% of the time, when we obsess about them and we write them and we do them, two things happen. What do we do? We begin making lists about all the things we need to change about ourselves. We go into the new year thinking we need to fix everything that we think is broken about ourselves. We need to change who we are. And I'm going to tell you that does us no good. And by the way, when you do these lists about 30 days into the year, most of us are throwing them out the window anyways. Here's what I'd love for you to challenge yourself with. Throw out New Year's resolutions. Stop changing and focusing on what you need to change. End the year. Make a list of four New Year's Day hits and make a list of all the things to celebrate that you've done this year. And then make a list of all the things you'd love to do more of going into this year. Not change about yourself. How can you grow in and and, and embrace and bring out the greatest gifts that are within you already there? Stop focusing on what you need to change and who you need to become because you think you're less than that. You are enough. You are enough just the way you are. What the world needs from you is more of your beauty, your brilliance, and your gifts. So throw out New Year's resolutions. I hope you heard me, and I hope you will take this challenge with me. And please, please reach out to me because I love to hear from you. I'd love to be there to partner with you and your organizations going into the new year. Reach out to me at hollydowling.com and have a blessed new year. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now, the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. As we continue to enjoy the holidays, let's hear the final tips of the 12 ways of Christmas for a safe and healthy holiday. Tip number nine, travel safely. Don't drink or text when you drive, especially on New Year's Eve. If you can, celebrate at home or walk to a neighbor's. And if you do travel, think about staying overnight Because even if you drink in moderation, many others don't. Check travel advisories. Stay in touch with people so they know where you are in your journey. And if you're driving a long distance, stop and get out every two hours to avoid blood clots in your legs, especially if you're pregnant or on certain medications. 10. Prepare food safely to avoid food poisoning. Wash your hands and countertops often. Keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and eggs and their juices away from ready-to-eat foods and surfaces. Cook foods to proper temps, refrigerate promptly, and don't leave perishable food out for more than two hours. 11. It's getting colder. Dress warmly to avoid frostbite and hypothermia. To reduce loss of body heat, adults and kids should wear hats, scarves, water-resistant boots, mittens are warmer than gloves, and several layers of loose-fitting clothing. 
If you start to feel too warm, remove those extra layers because perspiration can add to heat loss. And watch for shivering, an important first sign of heat loss, and time to go back inside. Number 12, stay active. If it's icy or cold, take a walk at your local mall. We know regular physical activity can decrease risk of heart disease, stroke, depression, and some cancers. The mall is a warm and comfortable, quote, indoor, unquote, track with a nice, even flat surface. Some malls even have walking programs. If not, grab a few friends and start your own. So Divas, since beginning on April 1, I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing advice that I hope you find helpful. Thank you for listening each week and best wishes for a happy, healthy new year to you and your families. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm speaking with Dana Middleton, and uh, just before the break, I, I asked you about the word grit, and I think what I want to know is how you define it. What does that mean to you, to have grit? Sure. So I think in reference, there's two ways to define grit. So the way that I think most people define it is really about resilience. So if you think about Angela Duckworth, who talks about grit and that being the redeeming a characteristic that really helps people succeed. And I certainly think I, I do have resilience and I talk about resilience in the book. Um, but in the reference to Grace Meets Grit, I'm really overemphasizing a gender approach to leadership. So the grace being the more female inclusive relationship focused approach to leadership versus grit being the more male status conscious immediate action approach to leadership. And when you talk about um, gender in particular, one of the things as I was reading your book is sometimes I think that gender dynamics are complicated and sometimes I think that they're simple. And I wonder, um, in the work that you've done, have you been able to simplify it in order to help people better understand for the purposes of, sure. you know, communication? Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and quite frankly, the book um, it oversimplifies for exactly the reason that you're talking about. I think in oversimplifying it and help us understand that women generally use relationship as their primary communications vehicle, and that translates into leadership. And men primarily use status and immediate action as their purpose of communication, and that translates in their leadership style, helps us have a better understanding and a dialogue around it. Mm -hmm. But back to your point, we, we are both a mix, and actually the best leaders blend those, whether they're men or women, mm. they blend those two. And I am more of a grit leader, turns out, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether that goes back to my upbringing or not. But the, the point of oversimplification was actually just to create a dialogue. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things I loved uh, reading about you was your uh, relationship with your mom. And you described yourself as a very curious kid and one who was constantly questioning. Um, and God bless your mother. She was very patient with you. And <laughs> rather than just kind of brushing you aside, made a conscious effort to really, you know, take the time to answer those questions. And when she couldn't, you know, she encouraged you to explore and find them on your own. So my guess is that um, part of your upbringing um, really encouraged you to seek answers and, and figure out problems. Yeah, that's probably true. I can remember, again, if you think about me being raised in the middle of nowhere, 
we literally went to the grocery store when I was in middle school once a month because <laughs> that's how far away wow. the grocery store was. <laughs> right, and stopped uh, up, I guess. Exactly. And yeah. so it was a two-hour car drive each way to wow. the grocery store. And so, yes, I spent the entire time asking her questions about just anything you can possibly imagine. And to your point, she never said, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Instead, she fostered a dialogue around, well, let's let's talk about that. Mm. Um, let's ask ourselves ad- additional questions to get to the answer or at least have a dialogue around it. And I do think that is a big part of um, really my success today even. And also your mom, she worked outside of the home. I understand she, she the very first female president in the community you grew up in. I'm sorry, well, principal, principal. Principal, yeah. Yes, she yes. Was a, a principal. So first a teacher for mm-hmm. many years. Right. And then she went on to get her advanced degrees and became a principal. And she was the first woman principal in a in a small community. And I, I don't think that was always easy for her. Mm. And, um, I, you know, yes, I, I, you know, I really admire all that she did. And obviously she pursued learning her entire life. I think she came very close to getting her Ph.D., and I'm sure that was an inspiration for me as well. Not only did she inspire me by asking questions, but she was in a constant pursuit to um, really have a greater achievement as it related to her own personal education. So obviously, I, you know, education was important, you know, growing up. Did you tell me yeah. what, as a young girl, what your aspirations were? Were they <laughs> along the line of, you know, being in uh, marketing and, and leadership and or did you have dreams of being something else? You know, that's, I wanted to be a veterinarian, truth be told. That was my goal in life. And, you know, sadly, I look back on it a little bit now. Uh, not that I'm sad about my current um, career because I actually love what I do, and I'm, I'm lucky that way. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think one of the reasons that I didn't pursue that is because there was such a high standard for math students. I think in my university, they took the top 1% into vet school. And I didn't believe that I had the math capabilities to even compete at that level. And so I didn't pursue my um, my dream of being a veterinarian. Um, so I didn't really have marketing aspirations. I was a good writer and I have a journalism degree actually. Um, and I think that that combined with my curiosity about psychology. And if you think about both of my books, they're both psychology books, really, yes, they're fundamentally yes. mm-hmm. about that. Um, that really drew my interest to marketing because marketing is really about psychology. How do you motivate people to do something? And that's what really tipped me into my marketing career. Right. Do you, do you have a preference for, I know you do a lot of writing and a lot of speaking, and is one more close to your heart? That's a hard question. So I will tell you that after years of speaking, one of the biggest challenges of getting to write my book was taking slides and a speaking format and turning it back into written words. They're just very different, right? They're both storytelling, but written storytelling and spoken storytelling are different. And I love them both, actually. I've always loved them both. I've been a public speaker competitively since I was about 14, so um, I've always loved both of them. Right. Well, it's it's um, they're both very, very important, as you said, in marketing. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, leadership behavior versus human behaviors and how we can distinguish between the two in the workplace. Stay with us going into the break for our Tech Watch and our Finance Watch. The Women to 
Watch. Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry. And this is Maggie. And we're from Fortis Wealth. When asked what their most valuable asset is, many people reply that it is their home or business. But what if you're not able to earn a living through reasons beyond your control, such as a serious illness or injury? Your lifetime earnings probably translate into a much higher value than any other asset. According to the Department of Labor, as of 2017, there were almost 75 million women in the civilian labor force. Almost 47% of U.S. workers are women. Women own close to 10 million businesses. And mothers are the primary or sole earners for 40% of households with children under 18 today, compared with 11% in 1960. According to the Council for Disability Awareness, the average disability lasts 2.6 years. Without a paycheck, how long will your savings, credit cards, loans, and other sources last? How can your earnings and assets be protected? First, have an emergency fund to cover living expenses for at least a few months. Disability insurance is the primary source of income replacement. These policies provide money to help pay ongoing bills and hopefully protect assets earmarked for other goals, such as retirement or a child's education. Even if your employer provides some coverage, you may wish to purchase an additional policy. SSDI, or Social Security Disability, is another potential source of benefits, but the requirements are much more difficult to meet and can take months or years to collect benefits. According to the Council for Disability Awareness, of new disability claims approved during 2013, 56% were for women and the majority of claims were caused by things like back injuries, cancer, and heart disease. Claims resulting from complications of pregnancy and childbirth now cause about 5% of new long-term disability claims for women. You insure your home, car, and other property. Shouldn't you also insure your most valuable asset? Please note that this is general information and should not be construed as financial advice. Consult with your insurance or financial advisor regarding your situation. This is Maggie. And this is Terry. Happy Happy New Year. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley-Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manzo of Pathways Consulting Group. This year, I became fascinated by technologies that have a positive impact on individuals with special needs when my brother was diagnosed with ALS. So on this week's segment, I'll be looking at two technologies that I found to be the most innovative and fascinating in my opinion. 
The first technology is geared toward people with ALS, spinal injuries, MS, amputations, or any individual who's lost mobility of their hands and fingers. Millions of persons have limited use of their hands and fingers, which prevents them from doing activities that most of us take for granted, like using our mobile devices. With the application Open Sesame by Sesame Enable, that freedom and control is restored. Using the front-facing camera of any Android device, Open Sesame tracks head movement to unlock touch-free texting, social activity, searching the web, and so much more, empowering individuals and enabling them to continue to use their mobile devices. The next technology I found fascinating is geared toward individuals who have loss of vision and use Braille called DOT. DOT is one of the world's first Braille smartwatches. DOT is a practical solution that is more affordable than regular e-Braille devices. DOT helps the blind access messages, tweets, even books anywhere at any time. DOT can be connected via Bluetooth to any smartphone and has a series of dots which rise or lower to form letters in Braille. Every text message you receive on the smartphone is instantly translated to Braille and forwarded to your DOT watch. Read it fast and comfortably with the intuitive touch controls and customizable auto scroll on the watch face. Through their patented technology, the watch can stay charged up to 10 days. As a caregiver of an individual with special needs, one of your greatest concerns for your loved one is quality of life. And these are just two of thousands of technologies that are out there that can provide a level of independence and empowerment. To learn more about other technologies, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm talking to Dana Middleton, and, and one of the books that she authored was Grace Meets Grit, and I loved so much about the book, and it prompted a lot of questions in me regarding um, leadership behavior versus human behavior and how, you know, we talk a lot on the show about uh, women and and men and these gender issues in business, which really I think today has been discussed much more than years ago, and you've had Gosh, over 30 years' experience working in companies, big companies, um, to name a few, Nestle, Verizon, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Bose, Kohl's, Toyota. One of the questions I had for you is when you're working with um, a company this size on a project, a marketing project, and you're discussing um, persuasion, what is the first... I guess, what is the first question you would ask your team or the group that you're um, working with to try to get at what that creative solution is for a particular marketing project? That's that's an absolutely fascinating question. And I would tell you that my first book, Marketing in the Participation Age, really uh, tipped me over. It was that question changed in my career. So early in my career, you're absolutely right. It was about persuasion. We were trying to figure out how to get people to think differently about a product or service. And that's our role as marketers is to come in and say, okay, people think this, what do we want them to think? But with the rise that's happened, and I'm sure you've seen this happen in your lifetime of technology. So first with the internet and then certainly mobile and social, suddenly it dawned on me that persuasion just wasn't enough. We actually had to inspire people to participate because that's what we were measuring. We were suddenly, as marketers, we were measuring what actions people were taking on our behalf. And so the question changed from what do we want people to think 
to what do we want people to do? And therefore, um, what actions do we want them to take with us? And that drove really the conversation then, okay, what do we need to do in order to get that to occur? Mm -hmm. So would you say, you know, one of my questions for you was in the work that you do, and you've been very, very successful. You've been, you know, recruited by uh, major companies to help uh, with their marketing what is it about you, do you think, that has enabled you to be such a strategic and creative marketing leader? Wow, that's that's an amazing question. Um, well, I would say, first of all, it's probably my down-to-earth authenticity. Mm, so yes. uh, being approachable, being able to have just a very real conversation, and also being willing to challenge the client to think differently. Um, they're hiring us to bring a different opinion to the table rather than to just tell someone what they want to hear or what they already know. And sometimes that's hard, right, because you, what you say might be controversial or might not b- want to be what that person wants to hear. But, but I think, honestly, having feeling confident in that and um, being authentic and real and and being willing to have the courage to say what you really feel is really important. Mm. I think that's something um, women in particular struggle with. Yeah, I think it's hard because we walk a fine line, right? So if we're outspoken and uh, we tell some people sometimes what they don't want to hear, sometimes we're labeled and, and that makes it difficult. Right. But um, it shouldn't mean that we shouldn't <clears throat> do it but it does make it hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Can, can you tell us about, uh, you had an aha moment while you were at HP, and I wonder if you can share that with us. I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was right before I started writing my first book, and like I, I mentioned, I had been at HP for a long time, 16 years, had an amazing ride there, amazing career, um, was fortunate enough to work on a number of marketing programs, And we were putting together an incredible um, new advertising campaign. And the tagline was, what do you have to say? And the the context of the the campaign is it was about self-expression. So this was for the printer group. And the idea was that we were helping enable a consumer to have a self-expression by printing. But with a tagline of what do you have to say for the first time in history, and again, this was in the 2006-2007 timeframe, mm-hmm. before really social had taken off, before mobile, but because of the internet, customers could suddenly actually respond and tell us what they had to say. And the big aha moment for me was not only could customers do that, but HP wasn't interested in hearing what people had to say at all. They just wanted to give them another marketing slogan. Mm. And I thought, wow, we, we need to really change the way that we're thinking. And the science, again, of persuasion is no longer sufficient. We have to be thinking about if we want some to, someone to respond, what do we want them to respond to and how do we want them to respond? Well, and right, why would you not take advantage of the ability to engage directly on a daily basis with your clients and customers? Getting because that it's hard. feedback. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, let's talk about Ansira. Um, you, you're the CEO, and I read that you're celebrating a 100 years uh, anniversary in 2019. Yeah, is Isn't there, that amazing? It, that's amazing. <laughs> and and uh, two questions I have. I want you to describe the culture there and, and how 
What's your philosophy for motivating your team? And then what are the plans to celebrate? Sure. So, so yes, Amsira, in the marketing world, having a 100-year-old company is, is really profound. And, and mm. kind of what's amazing is we've been doing the same thing, solving the same problem for our clients for that length of time, albeit we've obviously evolved over the years to where we're using technology and innovating in different ways for our clients. But all of our clients are really challenged by what we call this brand-to-local ecosystem, whereby they have a brand presence, that corporate presence, and they have some type of local entity. So think about a car dealership, for example. And the customer today expects that experience to be united. And so, you know, that's what we're doing is help them stitch together that experience. Okay, hold that thought. When we come back, we'll we'll finish talking about that. As we go into the break, you'll hear our Diversity Watch and our Education Watch. This is the Women to Watch. Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment here. Honestly, we need to make a full stop with today's ethic. Honesty. There's something about honest people that keeps others coming back to them kind of like a magnet. And contrary to that, lies and falsehood, injecting doubt and suspicion and steering people away. It is indeed in lies and suspicions that people lose trust and put even their most precious relationships at risk. When asked, can the believer be a coward, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said yes. He was then asked, can the believer be a miser? He said yes. Can the believer be a liar? He said no. A believer cannot be a liar, said Prophet Muhammad. In fact, another prophetic saying lists lying as one of the three signs of a hypocrite. In other words, liars have no place in a community of believers. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that truth brings tranquility and falsehood solves doubt. Honesty manifests itself in words, but it also manifests itself in actions and in determinations. Before being honest with others, we need to be honest with ourselves, keeping ourselves accountable first and foremost. When his companions asked him about the best of people, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, everyone who's pure of heart and sincere in speech. They said, sincere in speech, we know what that is, but what is pure of heart? He said, it's the heart that is pious and pure, with no sin, injustice, spite, or envy in it. It is those hearts that bring the light in our communities. It is those hearts that seek the common grounds and find beauty in differences. To find out more about my truth, connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. This is the Women to Watch Education Watch. Hi, I'm Colleen Hanich, the president of LaSalle University. This is your Education Watch. And today we are going to talk about affordability and the real price of a college degree. 
So why is it such a hot topic today? Well, if you think about it, Susan, the average student debt takes over 21 years to pay off. 21 years of delaying all those other things that, that graduates want to be jumping into, buying a house, buying a car, starting a family, moving across the city or across the country for your career, everything gets delayed because students are graduating with crushing debt. So according to Student Loan Hero, the average debt load of a college graduate in 2017 was $39,400. That is up a staggering 6% from just one year earlier. Many families have not only one, but two or three students or children in college at the same time, it just becomes an overwhelming cost. How do we justify the cost? Well, the research remains very, very clear and convincing. A college education is an investment that absolutely will pay off in the form of better jobs, greater opportunities, and higher salaries. It isn't for everyone, there's no question, but according to the Social Security Administration, men with a bachelor's degree earn approximately $900,000 more across lifetime earnings and women with a bachelor's degree earn another $630,000 more than they would earn with just a, a high school uh, diploma. Is it true that there's a difference between sticker price and real price? Yes, indeed. That is the mystery of the college price. Some schools have very high posted rates with a huge discount. Other schools have much more realistic rates that align with the cost of education. So as you know, LaSalle reset our tuition in the fall of 2017 by 30%, which brought it much closer to the actual cost and the actual price of college. What parents and families need to focus on is the bottom line. What is this going to cost me? How am I going to pay for it? Terrific. Great advice as always. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks so much. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm talking with Dana Middleton, and she is an author, a global marketing expert, and the CEO of Ansira, a marketing company. And, you know, Dana, with all the years of experience that you've had, I would imagine now in your present role, um, you're implementing uh, a lot of things that you've learned over the years. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about your own personal philosophy for motivating your team and, and getting them to bring their very best. Absolutely. So obviously we're a people-based business, so that's more important than perhaps it is in other industries. But you know, power and leadership is really about influence potential. And we can't really achieve our full potential as a leader unless we actually try to recognize that with our teams and our individuals. And so my philosophy is always trying to think about what I can do to remove barriers and empower those people to be the best that they possibly can be. Um, and so, you know, that really is something I think about every single day. So when one of the things I think about uh, women in working and, and being in offices and, and uh, being a professional, I think it's important communication um, and kind of avoiding misunderstandings. You wrote about this in your book, which I think happens quite often between men and women. And how do we share feelings while remaining professional in the workplace? So how do we bring that authentic self, right? And, <laughs> yep. But do it in a way that's that's professional. Yeah. Well, and I think there's lots of talk about this today, right, with Me Too and, and everyone starting to wonder, you know, how do we have these conversations? But honestly, that maintaining the authenticity and the tone that I try to set with my leadership team and really anyone in the company is we're all valuable. We all bring different perspectives and 
different approaches and we need to remember that we all have the best intentions in mind. And if we don't have disagreements and we don't speak out when we feel differently, we're not going to be the best we possibly can be as a team. And so I think it's fostering that and then also just maintaining that level of respect with our peers and our teams to really enable that dialogue to occur. Right. Tell me, um, can you talk about a personal milestone um, that you are proud of, something that, um, you know, perhaps you've overcome throughout your career and lifetime? Gosh, that's a hard one. So, you know, I think probably the biggest one, and I tell women this all the time, is being comfortable with fear. So, um, and, you know, I don't know that it, all of us will ever be 100% comfortable, but I think sometimes it's helpful to remember that the only way we continue to learn is to stay in that zone where you are a bit fearful. And through that heightened awareness of your surroundings, and you're leveraging really a bit of that adrenaline that you have, um, that's when you really grow and that's when you contribute the most. And I think for a long time, if things, I was afraid of things or I had, um, it's like talking about going to vet school, right? I was afraid that I wasn't good enough to do that. And I think becoming more comfortable and learning how to harness that fear for the positive outcome certainly has made a big um, difference in terms of my own performance and achievement. So how do you manage your own fear? Because I, um, something we talk about often is the 24-hour news cycle, oh, right? Yeah. So I think that, yeah. you know, we can be going about our day and, and everything is calm and, and well, and particularly in, in our industry. We have to really be in touch. And I think it, 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 you know, the 24-hour news cycle um, is an interruption to our day. And I think, you know, it gives us a lot of information and it can be scary to know what's going on in, you know, the entire world at all times. How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like anyone else, right? I think some days that just becomes overwhelming. But a couple of thoughts. I think one is being very intentional about what you want to achieve, whether it's that day, that week, that month, that year. Um, Writing down my goals is something that I've become much more rigorous. And what I've learned is by just the act of writing it down and focusing on it, it's amazing how much more that you actually can achieve. And then not letting it become overwhelming. It's, It's eating the elephant one bite at a time. Something might seem really overwhelming, but you don't have to fix it all in one day or challenge or, you know, get past it all at one time. Rather, sit down and figure out what actions you're going to take one bite at a time, um, and it becomes much more achievable and less overwhelming. I, I think for young women, that's, um, you know, something that they struggle with because even coming up with those goals, right? So if you don't know where you're headed um, or what you're looking for, sometimes that task of, of writing down those goals alone can be a struggle. What would you say to particularly young girls coming out of college? Yeah, I, you know, I think the other element there that makes it overwhelming is the public nature in which things um, happen today. So in yes. the old days, when we were growing up, you, we'd write down their goals and no one would know them. That's you know, they right. They weren't published yes. to right. the world. Yes. And so, I, you know, I don't think you have to publish these goals to the world. I think you can actually create your own environment, 
your own storyboard, if you will, your own set of notes that you can check back to. And the other part of the world doesn't need to know that you have these goals. Um, and I think that honestly is causing much of the pressure that we're seeing today. Plus, I think there's a, a because of this public nature of everything, there's this sense that those goals have to be profound in some way, when yes. in fact, they can just be something very small or, or a piece of something that's important to you. Mm. Just because it isn't profound doesn't mean that it's not a, an achievement that you can be proud of. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Um, because I think today uh, young people are encouraged to make a difference, you know, in the world. And sometimes that can feel heavy. Um, and you're right. You can have impact on a very small scale or on the on a global scale. You know, our ability to interact globally, which we didn't have, you know, not that long yeah, ago. True. Yeah, it has positive, you know, aspect to it and, and negative. And, and what do you think the positivity is in our ability to do that? I think the biggest positivity positivity of that global um, perspective is really the diversity that that brings, uh, diversity of thought, um, a different perspectives, a different way of looking at things, which I always think is valuable. Um, you know, in all the leadership coaching that I spent a fair amount of time doing, one of the things that I've learned and all the research certainly has shown this is diverse teams are better. And so those diverse perspectives can certainly add value. I think in terms of the challenges, it's just, again, it seems overwhelming sometimes. You, I think we still have to break the world down into pieces sometimes to solve problems because just like those diverse teams, those problems become diverse as they go around the globe. That's right. And I think that, you know, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, which is a hot topic and discussed all, all, always, um, one of the things I think about is that diversity is happening organically just because people are, you know, uh, I think if you look around and, and you see um, the, the nature of people and their relationships and how we're going to be um, diverse, really, whether we want to or not, I think it's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But listen, we were at the end of the show and I thank you so much for taking time with us. I uh, Happy anniversary uh, with the company. Oh, thank you. Thank and, you. And I wish you continued success, Dana. Oh, thank you so much again for having me. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you to our sponsors and contributors, as always, for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.